six weeks, seven weeks, Jeff and Dan, they came out here and worked on them for six and a half hours yesterday and got them up and working. So we're grateful for that. We can see. It's always nice when you can see the music you're playing. So let's stand up. We have a new song we're teaching you this morning. And um, I think Scott's getting the, the screen back up and working here, and we're, we're good to go. So we're going to teach you a new song. It's all about praising Jesus. Do you have something to praise him for this morning? Amen. Amen. Well, let's, let's learn this new one. Praise in the valley, praise on the mountain. I'll praise when I'm sure, praise when I'm doubting. I'll praise when remember, praise when surrounded.
kids are downstairs now, and I think we've got someone that's going to lead you back that way, and so give it up for our kids. We love our kids. They're going to go back and have a good time learning about Jesus, and we are so glad that you are here this morning, and Pastor Dale and I are super glad to be here. I'm Michelle. We are pretty brand new. This is our third official week, right? <laughs> Whew, wow. I'm already out of breath. I'm getting back. <laughs> And I'm getting better. I'm getting better. It's like all crazy. So you guys got one of these as you came in, right? So this is going to have your information in here of what you need to know what's coming up. The biggest thing I want to bring your attention to is the 23rd is our official installation Sunday. And uh, we hope that all of you will be here because we need you here because it's our church, right? We're all saying that we're joining up together to do amazing things in this city together. And so that's our time to gather, gather up, have unity, and then guess what we're going to do afterwards? What do we like to do? We like to eat. So there's food. So there is a sign-up sheet that we need to get going. So make sure as you walk out, if you've not signed up, there's going to be, I think Bernie is out there. You'll see a lady, the big smile, beautiful lady standing out there with a little sign-up sheet. Sign up, bring something, help us set up so we can make this an amazing day together. So... Um, our kids, we were clapping for our, our littles, our children, but our youth ministry has an exciting week this week, and will you guys pray for them? You've seen NYC going on, and we had, um, I guess we still have one that's still there, and my, the, the name is like gone. Daniel, he's there. Keep praying for that group, but we have a group of students going to Desperation, which is in the Springs, and they're going to be there for a few days this week. Will you pray for them? that God speaks, it's going to be a special time of growth for them. So pray for this group as they are there this week. Pray for Scott as he leads them. And we're just excited about what's going on in our youth ministry and what's coming, coming forward. So we're excited about that. So will you be praying? So you got your Connect card. If you've got one of these, this is how you communicate with us. We are learning to get a database together. Pastor Dell and I showed up and figured out it's all over the map. So we're going to get everybody on page. So if you're not getting information or you think we may not have the right one, good time to fill this out, drop it in the offering, drop it in the box out there. We can also pray for you. This week we take time during staff meeting to pray for your request. Put your prayer request on there, drop it in so that we have that. Okay, so offering. So the kids, we talked about our kids. That's one way here at this church that I have noticed, and the one thing that really drew us is to see that you guys cared about this next generation. And so your faithfulness and giving is helping us be able to do this ministry to our kids. You guys got to see VBS. And then what's coming forward, what God is going to do in and through your gifts of being faithful and tithing is going to be amazing. We're excited about that. So the ushers come on forward. Uh, we're going to take an offering. There's multiple ways that you can give. 
Um, if you don't have a check, um, there's a ways now online. I was actually trying to do it this week. It seems super easy. You can get on the website. You can give. There's also text giving. I think it's up here. Yes, so that you can do that as well. So the ushers are going are gonna to begin offering. But let's pray together for this morning, for this offering, um, for this time that we're going to have together. We're going to continue worshiping. This is worship, right? This time that we're having just giving is an act of worship and saying what's first in our heart, God. I'm going to give this to you because I trust you. So let's pray this morning. Father God, you are awesome. We just give you all the glory and honor and praise this morning to be gathered together in this place, to have the freedom to be able to worship God, to be able to lift you up. And as we were gathered earlier and praying for this service, I couldn't help it. Maybe it was because for me, because sometimes so often we walk in with clenched fists waiting for you to do something. But, God, you need to open up our hands so that we can receive. Open our, up our hearts this morning so we can be able to hear from you what you have for us. As Pastor Dale will come in a few moments later on here as we worship, after we worship together. And as you speak in and through him, God, I just pray that you would speak to us. Help us to hear from you today. We give you all the glory and honor this morning. In name I pray. Amen. We're going to continue our time of worship together. And Jeff, could you turn the music off in my head? I mean, it's real. <laughs> and we'll have you guys stand once the offering plates go by, and we'll continue our time with Jesus this morning.
nice to know that we belong in his house, that he's chosen us, and that he's given us freedom that we didn't deserve, but it just wipes everything clean. As I was preparing this morning, I was looking at all the ways that God's freed us. And it's pretty amazing when you look at it, when you see things like in John where he talks about we're his child, we're adopted by him. We're his friend, and we've been justified. How many of you are standing in that you've been justified by him? Yeah, that's awesome. Sometimes it's hard, though, right? Sometimes it's like, man, Lord, I really messed up here. I don't know how you're going to cover this one. Anybody? That's me. I'm so thankful that he did. And then he redeems it, and he can use it just by telling your story to somebody. Because people need to hear your story. It's called your testimony. Everything he's walked through with you, it's a miracle. It's a miracle that I'm standing here. It's a miracle that I'm taking breath in my lungs just because he loves me. He feels the same way about you. Anything's possible with him. Amen? Anything's possible with him.
I pray for your healing. Circumstances would change. I pray that the fear inside would flee. In Jesus' name, I pray that a
presence here today, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for walking in the door with us, Jesus, after a hard week, for taking our cloak off, allowing us to come into your throne room and just be with you, Jesus. Lord, there is so much to praise you for. You are almighty God. There is nothing out of your control. There is nothing that you can't change. There is nothing that we can't walk through with you because you go before us and you're beside us. And Lord, we thank you for that. Father, thank you for the week that we just walked through. Thank you for the week that's coming. I pray, Jesus, we will be sensitive to your spirit and how you're moving in us. As Pastor Dale gets ready to bring the word to us, Lord, I pray that our hearts are softened and that you've tilled them. And those seeds that he's getting ready to plant will start taking root right away. Lord, thank you for the way that you love us and the way that you love through us. Lord, we just love you for being such an amazing, wonderful Abba, Papa, Father. We love you, Lord. We ask you to be with Pastor Dale as he brings your word now, Jesus. Let him be bold and let him speak what it is that you've laid on his heart. Anoint him, Jesus, in a fresh way, in an unexpected way, Jesus. Use him. I pray that our ears and our hearts will be open. I pray we will be focused on you, Jesus, focused on your word. And not let us get distracted, Lord, but let us hang on to each word because it comes directly from you. So we're grateful for that, Lord. We love you. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. Good morning, everybody. We'll try that again. Good morning, everybody. Oh, much better. I'm so glad that you're awake, even those in the cheap seats in the back. How you guys doing in the corners? In the back? Everybody all right? All right. Good. God's here. Glad you are, too. Welcome all of our gold mill friends. You guys came down from camping. I hope it was a great week, and uh, you had fun, and I'm glad that you're here. Any baseball fans here? No? Good. All right. Any baseball fans here? Come on. Don't be, don't be shy. All right. All right. All right. 
So um, years and years and years and years ago, um, actually between the years of 1905 and 1928, how many of you were born? No, I'm kidding. Don't even say that. I'm just kidding. Between those years, there was no greater baseball player than Ty Cobb. You remember that name? Then a, a better baseball player just did not exist. He was the man. Um, he uh, is currently uh, the second on the all-time hit list behind Pete, Her- Pete Rose. So he's still on the top of the charts there. Mr. Cobb stole home more than anybody else with 50. Uh, Ty is one of only two people to hit home run before his 20th birthday and after his 40th birthday. And he is the highest lifetime batting average for any baseball Hall of Famer, 367. He's still a man among men in the baseball realm. Uh, When Ty Cobb was 70, he was being interviewed and he was asked this question, what do you think you'd hit if you were playing in this modern era? He responded, "Uh, probably somewhere between 290 and 300, maybe, maybe 300. The reporter was a little bit surprised, and he countered back with, well, that's probably because of all the, all the travel and the, and the night games and, and the artificial turf and all the new pitches, like the slider, right? And Ty Cobb looked him in the eye and said, no, 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 you don't understand. Uh, that's not why I would hit 290 to 300. It's only because I'm like 70 now. <laughs> yeah. Well, don't you wish you had confidence like that? Wouldn't it be great if we could have confidence like that? Sometimes we have confidence. Most of the time, it just evades us. Everybody knows that life is hard. And nobody gets through without some kind of a struggle. It's difficult at best. We all go through pain. We all get hurt. And and really, what happens as a result of all that hurt is that we often have scars. And these inner injuries, if they're not healed up properly, can play a cruel trick on us. And actually, if it's not abated, it will begin to erode our spiritual confidence if it's not healed. What is it that creates inner scars? What is it that causes all the hurt in in, in our life? Well, there are a lot of different things that bring hurt and pain. People letting us down. People who you count on who fail us. But the number one thing that causes scars in, in our life is rejection. Jesus faced it, which means that you're going to face it too. We all face rejection. We live in an imperfect world. And sometimes we are rejected by our parents. Some of us have been rejected by our partners. And all of us at some point are rejected by our peers. And it's painful, but it's universal. And the truth is, rejection is just simply a part of life as we've come to know it. And and, and the big problem comes when you get knocked down enough times that you just start wondering, do I even want to get back up? You ever been there? Where you just hit so many times that you're finally just going, uncle, enough. I just don't know if I want to get back up. And after rejection, after rejection, after rejection, some people just start to think, if I could just be better. If I could just somehow be better, then everybody would like me. If I could just somehow be perfect, then, then maybe everybody would approve of me, which you know is impossible. No one's perfect. Even Jesus experienced rejection, and he was perfect, actually. 
How many of these remarks have you heard over the years? What in the world's wrong with you anyway? That's a rejection comment. Why can't you be more like fill in the blank? You've been nothing but difficult since the day you were born. You make me sick. Can't you do anything right? You ever heard any of these? Here's a popular one. No wonder you don't have any friends. Can't believe you did such a thing. You'll never amount to anything. And then come all the labels that go with it. You're a loser. You're stupid. You, you don't have anything good about you. You don't matter. You know, many of you still remember years later the hurtful things that were said to you at school, in the gym, or on the playground, or maybe through the years at the plant, or in, in the office. You remember all the hurt and all the pain. It's been said, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never... That's a lie. Whoever said such a thing is, is ridiculous. Of course words can hurt. Many of us would, would rather have had our bones broken than our heart. Broken bones heal way faster than broken spirits. Outside wounds heal way faster than inside wounds. And we've all faced this rejection. We've all got hurt. But when we are rejected over and over again over a period of time, you may just begin to believe it. And then we reject ourselves. And then, over time, we begin to reject others, and ultimately we become so hurt and so angry that we may even reject God. And we have a lot of hurt Christians, a lot of wounded Christians that are walking around. And I wonder, can God fix it? You ever wonder that? Can God fix this? Could God heal the scars that shatter our spiritual confidence? Does He want to? Does He even care about I want to share with you this morning some things that, that I believe will help you in your path when it comes to restoring spiritual confidence if you've been hurt, if you're still walking around wounded. And it was the psalmist who begins the conversation this morning, which I think maybe is the best news I can give for you today. Here it is if I can get this thing to work, and it's not working, so would you punch the next one for me if he's still back there? Thanks. God, he's speaking of God. God heals the brokenhearted. And he bandages the brokenhearted's wounds. Isn't that good news? That boosts my confidence just reading it to you. What, what God wants to say to you this morning is that if you've been hurt, if you're stumbling with low confidence, he has the power to help. And he wants to mend your broken heart. He wants to bandage the wounds in your life and he can because he has the power to help you start again how does he do it well it's not magic and for those of you who've been walking with god uh, for a number of years you know it's not overnight i wish it were it would be much easier for that way we could flip a switch go to a church service pray at an altar do the things and then all of a sudden everything's all better wouldn't that be terrific it's just not quite that way. But there is a path forward for those who have been hurt and for those who want to begin to heal. 
And, and it begins, I think, here with the idea of, of a, a man by the name of Saul who had his name changed to Paul after he met Jesus. And his life was pretty messed up. I don't know if you've ever um, been uh, someone who chased other people and tried to put them in prison and get them killed, but this was Paul's life. Can you imagine his nightmares? And Paul gives us a good word this morning for those who are broken and who need restoration. And it's Romans 12, 2. It goes like this. God, if you did me, this is what the Apostle Paul talks about what happened in his life. We're letting God transform you. Letting God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Let God transform you into a brand new person by the way that you think. Other versions of the Bible, maybe you memorized this as a child, other versions of the Bible have translated as the renewing of your mind. It's the way that you think that becomes the way that you feel. And the way that you feel affects the way that you act. And if you allow God to change your thinking, your life will begin to change. And as God begins to change us and set us free from from the scars and the hurt of the past, as it begins to do do that, all of those things, all those hurts from our our parents or our partners or our peers, even the hurts that maybe we've inflicted on ourselves, every time that, that God does a work, begins to remind us, begins to change us, He does it first by transforming the way that we think. Because He's renewing us from our mind first. You ever been in one of those fun houses or in, in a restaurant where they have those mirrors that are distorted? I brought a picture in case you've never seen one. There it is. That's me. I'm kidding. It's not. It looks like me. But you ever been in one of those mirror houses where it changes what you look like? It gives you a distorted image of who you are. You guys know what I'm talking about. Some of those images make you look bigger or skinnier. Or, or maybe they, they make you look taller, or probably, if you're like me, they make you look fatter. But you know what? When you look into a distorted mirror, you get a distorted image back. When you constantly look at bad information in front of you, you get bad information back. You get a bad image of yourself. And that's what happens to many people in life. They grow up, the people surrounding you in life were the mirrors. They are the mirrors of our life. Do you know any perfect people? Probably not. Are you perfect? I know the answer to that already. Me too. We're not perfect. That means that many times while receiving distorted images about who you are, you're giving distorted images to others as well. God help us. But a lot of people have brought into lies or they've bought into lies about themselves or about God. They've just taken it as truth. And they really aren't truths. You don't matter. You're not significant. You don't cut it. You're never going to amount to anything. You're a mistake. God doesn't care about you. And people actually begin to buy into that. And in fact, the, the, the younger that you are when you experience rejection, the, the more that it hurts. Because when we're little kids, we just, we just buy into anything that people tell us. I mean, someone said it, it must be true. The younger that you are when you got hurt, the longer that you've been dealing with hurts. And when you look at a distorted mirror, you're going to get distorted 
images of yourself. And when you work with false information, you're going to end up with a false conclusion. And I know. Because I've done it too. God says, I want to change all that. By renewing your mind. By changing the way that you think. By looking at yourself differently. But you have to work with the truth. Not a form of the truth. Not someone's opinion of the truth or their interpretation of the truth. You have to use God's truth. Jesus said the truth will set you free. His truth is the way to real life, not the distorted images that we're conditioned to see. And there are plenty of opportunities to get distorted images. All the media, all the naysayers, all the negativity in your life. There's plenty of opportunities to get a distorted view of who you are. And God wants to change that. And this morning, I, I brought three truths with me that, that will transform your life if you understand them and if you accept them. These three truths can restore your spiritual confidence if you're struggling with spiritual confidence. I've nicknamed it God's view of you. And I didn't make these up. They come straight from God's word to you. And I don't always do a three-point sermon. But, but I thought, man, this is so good that it's, it's too good not to preach. So this morning, I just want to begin with um, God's view of you, number one. You're, you're acceptable. You are acceptable. I don't know why all of my illustrations are 100 years old this morning, but we're going back again. In 1990, there was a high school student named Hugh Gallagher. You guys heard of him? Probably not. But Hugh Gallagher was a high school student. He was applying for college admissions, and he got a little frustrated because all of the college entrance papers that he was writing had asked him to, to give him the accomplishments of a 17-year-old. And he got frustrated because many 17-year-olds haven't accomplished that much. How am I going to put down on paper what I've done in 17 years of life? And he got upset, and so he began to, to think about this, and he decided to use his skill as an aspiring writer, and this is what he wrote on his college acceptance letter. Here's the question. Are there any significant experiences you have had or accomplishments you have realized that have helped to define you? What have you done, Mr. 17-year-old, in your many years of life? Is what they're asking. And this is what he wrote. I am a dynamic figure. Often seen scaling walls and crushing ice. I translate for Cuban refugees, I write award-winning operas, I manage time efficiently. Occasionally I tread water for three days in a row. I can pilot bicycles up severe inclines with unflagging speed, not at 8,500 feet. I can, uh, I can cook 30-minute brownies in 20 minutes. I'm an expert in stucco, a veteran in love, and an outlaw in Peru. Using only a hoe and a large glass of water, I once single-handedly defended a small village in the Amazon basin from a horde of ferocious army ants. I play bluegrass cello. I am the subject of numerous documentaries. documentaries. On Wednesdays after school, I repair electrical appliances free of charge. He goes on, I'm an abstract artist, a concrete analyst, and a ruthless bookie. Last summer, I toured New Jersey with a traveling centrifugal force demonstration. My left floral, or my deft floral arrangements, I have have earned me fame in international botany circles. Children, trust me. I balance, I weave, I dodge, I frolic, and my bills are all paid. 
On weekends, to let off steam, I participate in full-contact origami. Years ago, I discovered the meaning of life, but I forgot to write it down. I have won bullfights in San Juan, cliff diving competitions in Sri Lanka, and spelling bees at the Kremlin. I have played Hamlet. I have performed open-heart surgery. And I have spoken with Elvis. But I have not yet gone to college. (laughs) He entered the essay in a humor category of the Scholastic Writing Awards and won first prize. He was accepted under scholarship to New York University from where he graduated in 94. His first novel was published in 98. Just trying to get accepted. People buy things. We wear things. We try and change who we are. We do all kinds of things just trying to be accepted. Please, someone just accept me. But I'm just here to tell you, God accepts you as you are. As he created you to be, all the insecurities, all the ineptitudes and all, God says, first of all, you are acceptable. And in the book of Romans, chapter 15, verse 7, this is what Paul says to us. Therefore, accept each other just as Christians, or just as Christ has accepted you. That's on the next slide, by the way. Accept each other how Justice Christ has already accepted you. You are acceptable. I don't know what anyone has told you. I don't know what your parents told you or your peers or any of your partners. But I'm here to tell you that God accepts you as he created you to be. He doesn't want you to change to come to him. He'll take care of the changing. That's what God does. It's okay to say I'm not perfect, but that's okay. God and me are going to work on me. And God loves me and he loves you too much to leave us the way that we are. God wants me to grow and spiritually develop and become more like Christ, but I don't have to work to be accepted by him because I already am and so are you. You're acceptable. But not only are you acceptable, you're valuable. There's more. You have value in the book of Psalms 2710. Next screen. Even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. See, some of you grew up with unpleasable parents. They were perfectionists. And no matter what you did, no matter how hard you tried, you couldn't get their approval. If you got B's, you know they wanted A's. If you were somehow to pull off all the A's, they wanted A+. Whatever you did, no matter what you did, it was just never good enough. And even today, you're still trying to earn their love. You're still trying to prove to them, to win their approval, that you're valuable. just want to say a couple things to you this morning. Number, number one is this. Chances are you're not going to get it. If you haven't gotten it by now, you're probably not going to get it. Not because of who you are, but because of who they are and the way that they think. You're just never going to get it. Number two is that you don't need it. You don't need their approval to be happy. What a relief that is when you understand. It's okay. As of Thursday morning... There are 8 billion people on our planet. 8 billion. So who cares if two people don't approve of you? (laughs) 8 billion. 
Why focus on just those two? Find somebody else that does approve of you and of your desire to follow God. Find somebody that will support you in this. That's what God made the church for. We're to be a, a family, and you'll be accepted here because God says that I'm acceptable that I'm, and I'm valuable. Listen to what um, the, uh, the, the writer of the Gospel of Luke, Dr. Luke himself, look what he says in chapter 12, verse 24 of his, uh, his, his gospel. This is Jesus talking. Look at the ravens. They don't plant. They don't even harvest. Or they don't store food in barns. Why? God feeds them. And you, wonderful human, you are far more valuable to him than any birds would be. So let me encourage you this morning. You are valuable to God. And he loves you dearly. It goes all the way back. This prophecy from the book of Isaiah 54. Check this out. Next slide. For the mountains may move and the hills may disappear. But even then, my faithful love for you will remain, said God. My covenant of blessing will never be broken, says the Lord who has mercy on you. Just hold that slide there for just a second. This, this really does highlight two things about God's love for you. One, he loves you consistently. God isn't fickle. He loves you consistently. He doesn't love you one day and not love you the next. He doesn't love you on your good days, but not your bad days. He is consistent. Secondly, he loves you unconditionally. Some of you have lived with conditional love. I'm sorry about that. It wasn't meant to be that way. But some of you have had to deal with conditional love. Somebody uh, I was talking to one time about this mentioned to me this way. He said this. He said, I didn't know if I was going to be hugged or slugged by my dad. His love was conditional. And for you, it may be your parents or your partner or your peers that were fickle. They were undependable. They were unreliable. Whatever the case, I'm here to tell you right now that God is not like that. God doesn't love us that way. A lot of people struggle today because of conditional love. I, I love you if you're good. I love you if you do certain things. I love you because you look this way or because you do these things for me or because you give me some kind of pleasure. But then, if the condition changes, all of a sudden you find out that you're not loved anymore or you're loved less. You never have to wake up in the morning wondering, God, are you going to love me today? God, are, are you going to love me today? Did I read my Bible enough? Did I, did I pray enough? Did I, did I talk to somebody about you enough yesterday? God, are you going to love me today? You never have to ask that. He loves you unconditionally. And Christianity is not just a religion. It's a heart relationship. God desires to have a close relationship with you. Then there's number three. God says, you're forgivable. Everyone needs forgiveness. Everybody deserves forgiveness, and God is a forgiving God. One of my favorite passages in the entire Bible is this one, Isaiah 43. It says this. If you'll throw it up on the screen for me, Scott. I, God talking, I, yes, I alone will blot out your sins. 
because you're such a good person. No. I will blot out your sins for my own sake. I love you that much, and I will never think of them again. That's God talking to you. You see, once we admit that we need God and confess that we're in need of his forgiveness, God no longer holds our sins against us. That should get a huge amen. God doesn't hold a grudge. And he's not keeping score. And he's not walking behind you with a counter and a, paper, you know, a clip with, with a pen. When we simply confess our sins to him, it is all forgiven and forgotten, and he doesn't even think about our past. So you need to stop thinking about your past. If you've confessed, he has forgiven you, and you've got a new chance to start over. And this morning, God sees you as forgivable. When God puts his spirit into our lives, when God gives us his Holy Spirit and we start living life the way he meant for it to be, it will restore our spiritual confidence. Your self-concept and your feeling of value comes from what you think the most important person in your life thinks about you. I'll just say that again. Your self-concept and your feeling of value comes from what you think the most important person in your life thinks about you. Today, for you, maybe it's a parent. Or, or maybe it's a, a partner. Or maybe it's a, a peer. I would encourage you today to let the most important person in your life become Jesus Christ. Allow what he thinks of you to cover over your life, to determine your steps. Because when you make Christ the most important person in your life, then what he says about you is going to have the greatest effect on your life. You say, PD, that's what I need. That's what I need in, in my life. What, what do I need to do? What, what can I do to, to make this happen? Well, the first thing you need to do is quit looking in the distorted mirrors of your past. Every time you step up to a distorted mirror, what's it going to give you? It's going to give you a distorted image. The first thing that you need to do is stop looking at the distorted images of, of your life, of what your parents or your partner or your peers have said about you. And you need to start listening today to God's view of you. You're acceptable. No matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, God accepts you for who you are. You're valuable. You might not think you're valuable because you've ingested tons and tons of negative talk and all the people in your life have just beat you down. I'm just, I'm just telling you, you and I don't know each other very well, so I'm completely objective on this. You're valuable. I know you're valuable because God says you're valuable. But not only that, is you're forgivable. And the things that you've done or said, the places that you've been, the, the, the train wrecks that you've caused, God says, if you'll confess your heart to me, and come to me with an with a, with a, with a opening and admit that you are in need of a Savior. I can forgive that. I can work with that. You're forgivable. 
Last illustration from the 20th century. On New Year's Day, 1929, Georgia Tech was playing the University of California in the Rose Bowl. Any football fans here? I don't have very many baseball fans. Good. So at least I, this group is redeemable. New Year's Day, 1929, Georgia Tech's playing University of California in the Rose Bowl, and shortly before halftime, a man named Roy Regals recovered a fumble for California. But somehow he became confused. And he started running 65 yards in the wrong direction. Can you imagine? What a mess up. A teammate finally tackles him just before he would have scored for the other team. When California attempted to punt it, Georgia Tech blocked the kick and they scored a safety. And the gun sounds. It's halftime. What a way to go to halftime. The team headed off the field, went into the locker room. As they all sat down on the bench, Regals put a blanket around his shoulders. He sat over in the corner of the locker room, put his head and his hands, and he cried. That's how much the game meant to him. And he knew he ruined it for everybody. Coach Pressler didn't know what to do. He'd coached for a number of years, but he didn't have any solutions. He didn't have a, a pep talk dialed in for what happens when your team boots it so badly at, before half. He didn't know what to do. He was completely silent. No doubt he was trying to decide what to do in the back of his mind with Regals. Regals normally on point to not today. So everybody else in the room kind of just sat there. Coach Pressler managed to put together a few words, basically, I hope we do better. Then the timekeeper came in, announced that there were three minutes left until the end of the half. The coach looked at the team and he slowly said, men, the same team that played the first half will start in the second half. The players all got up. stretched out a little bit, straightened up their pads and, and, and their helmet, and they started out the door. Everyone except for Roy, who stayed over in the corner with the blanket around his shoulders and his head in his hands. Coach looked back, and he called at him again. Roy didn't move. So Coach Pressler went over to him, kind of got down close, and he said, Roy, didn't, didn't you hear me? I said, the same team starts the second half. And Regals looked up, tears still in his eyes. He said, Coach, I can't. I, I can't do it. I, I, I've ruined you. I've ruined the University of California. I've ruined myself. I, I can't face that crowd in the stadium. If my life depended on it, you, please don't make me go back out there. Coach Pressler reached out. He put his hand around his, his shoulder. And he said these words, Roy, get up, get back out there. The game's only half over. Roy went back. Everybody who saw 
him play that second half said that he played the greatest game of his entire life in the second half of the game. See, the fact is, we take the ball a lot of times and we run the wrong direction and we stumble and we fall and we fail and we let ourselves down and we let other people down and we ruin everything and, and we do all those things and we are so ashamed and we just say, I, I don't want to get up. I can't do it. I, please don't make me. I don't want to try anymore. I just want to, I, spiritually, I just I want to quit. Things have not worked out the way that I wanted them to. I can't do it. But I'm just here to tell you, in a place like this, in a time like this, in a setting like this, it's when God comes to us and he puts his arm gently around us. And he says, come on, let's get your spiritual confidence back up. Let's restore once what once was. Let's get back out there. The game isn't over yet. And I don't know where you are. I'm just here to tell you, if you're breathing, the game is not over yet. So this morning, I'd like for us to focus for just a couple more minutes. And, and I found the best way to focus is if you'll just take yourself in the moment and isolate everybody else from where you are. Maybe even close your eyes. And for the next few minutes, I just want to talk to you as you're thinking. And I'm, I'm praying, I've been praying for you all week that God would speak to you even right now. See, God is here this morning to tell you to let go of your past. He wants to restore your spiritual confidence beginning right now. None of us are perfect. We all have things that need to change. And the Bible says all of us have sinned and all of us have fallen short of God's glory. But the good news is, is that no matter what you've done or where you're at presently, God loves you right where you are right now. And he never meant for you to live unfulfilled. He never meant for you to be regretful or burdened. That's why he sent his son Jesus to die for you. And today, he wants to forgive you. And he wants to release you completely and freely so that the rest of your life will be the very best of your life. So I want you to imagine right now, with your heads bowed and eyes closed. Imagine Jesus and you just sitting alone, face to face. Imagine him looking you in the eye, calling you by name. Will you accept my view of you today? Let me be the most important person in your life. I died so that you could really live See, many, many people never let go of their past. My goodness, I run into them all the time. They're never able to let go of their past because they solve, they, they make an attempt to solve their guilt or their problems under their own strength, with their own resources. They try and carry that load by themselves. And I'm just here to tell you right now that you only find real freedom when you let God do it for you. And He can do it for you right now. 
So let's pray together. Lord, I, I know this morning that you have spoken to many. And even here today, God, many people are hearing your voice through your word and through your spirit. Some people right now, God, are having a moment with you. They've imagined a place where they're sitting directly across from you and hearing a direct appeal from you. And they're considering maybe for the first time in a long time to let you restore their spiritual confidence. Would you just guide them? Lord, as only you can guide them. I'm reminded, again, you said you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And so this morning, oh God, I'm praying that truth over everyone here today, everyone even watching online, that your truth will set hearts free today. Thank you for your great plan for our spiritual freedom from all the power and the pollution and yuck of sin in our lives. Would you help us even now to make the rest of this week the very best week we've ever lived? It's in the name of Jesus I pray.
have some students that are going to Desperation Conference, and not all of them are here this morning, but some of them are here. I want to call them up. I'd like to pray for them before we go. And let me let me just mention one more thing to, to, to the rest of the, the church. Um, Michelle, Pastor Michelle, my wife, um, she she does a, a class. Right there is good, my friend. She does a, a class that we've started. Uh, we did it in Florida. I'd love to do it here. Um, called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. It is a game changer. You're going to have a difficult time moving forward in your life if you've never dealt with the things in the, in the, in the back of your, in the past. I was going to say the back of your life, but I don't know what that looks like. So the past. So Michelle has some incredible tools. It's from a pastor in New York, Pete Scazzaro, and he's put together a, a whole class. Michelle does an excellent job teaching that. If you're interested in that, I would highly recommend you talking with her. And if she can put it together, we'll, we'll announce that to the rest of the church. And maybe those of you who aren't brave enough to talk to her will then jump into the class uh, that way. But um, before I give a benediction, can I pray for you guys? Man, what a group. Holy cow, you guys are all bigger than me. That's not good. Come on over. It's all right, man. Come on over here. Let me pray with you. These guys and a few others are going to be um, going to the Desperation Conference. So let's pray for these young men. Lord in heaven, <laughs> thank you for these young men. I pray, God, that you would visit with them before the conference, that you would visit with them during the conference, and that you would be with them after the conference is over. May your spirit fall fresh on them, change them from the inside, and change the futures as they are obedient and brave to the voice of the spirit. Help them to discern what it is that you're trying to speak to them about in their life, personally, and as they go forward. Who knows, oh God, what the future is going to look like when our young people will follow you. Thank you for these men's lives and all the students that are going to go to the Desperation Conference. Be with the speakers and the worship leaders. Be with Pastor Scott as he takes them and kind of watches over them, shepherds them. Bless our youth ministry, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, 
amen and amen. And now, may God bless you and keep you. May God be gracious to you. May you be able to forgive yourself as the Savior wants to forgive you. May He turn His face toward you. And may God give you what nothing else, no one else can give you, His peace. God bless you as you go. Make this week the very best week as you follow our Savior. Amen and amen. Have a great week.